0: Bibles, and we'll start in Acts chapter 11, and yeah, we'll put there. So glad that you're here today. Just, uh, it's nice to see all the faces here and start a new year together. Uh, thank you. Everybody smile. Everybody smile. Make some nice smile. Smile. good. It's all good. I like your smile. And if you're visiting with us, we want you to come see that smile more often. And if you're a regular attender here, we want you to see smile more often. <laughs> so people can, can enjoy that. Uh, come back, off. In fact, let's make a point of coming back next week. How many people will come back next week? That's the way I get you kind of committed. Recently, my, my father-in-law and I were talking about a lady that helps him with the church's banking every Monday uh, after, after Sunday. And they were talking that they came around the church okay? And he makes the deposit for the church. And they were talking about a church, and she was telling him that, um, that she had grown up in, in one religious group and, and had just come to a point where she couldn't support or believe that, church, that that group's teaching. And so she was kind of open, you know, to something. Looking for Something You know, to fill that spiritual God void uh, that longs and yearns to be connected to God. So in talking with a friend, she said, she accepted an invitation to attend another church for their group's teaching. Well, this got me thinking. Okay, because I've, I've been on both sides of that. Right? I've been the one who's needing that, that answer that connection, that godly answer. And I've been the one doing the inviting. And you may have found yourself on both sides of that. And so I was very, I just sat down and I thought, okay, what would it, what would it take for me to accept such an invitation to go and to worship with somebody? And this is what I came up with. See if, see if this is something that, that kind of tracks where you are and then we'll talk about what that means to us. First of all, I think it would come down to trust. First, foremost, and always, it comes down to trust. I think it would be a trust in the consistency that I saw between a person's claims about their faith and how that person actually does their everyday living. I mean, why would I give up who I am to be what they're not? You see what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about consistency. What do they do when they're not perfect? And I think therein lies a window into their soul and the connection that they say they have to God and His church. So the first thing I want, I want to see personal consistency. Second, though, I think it would be a trust that I examined as an interest to the questions that that church asked. Let me explain. Anyone can pair it a bunch of party-line answers. But there are some genuine questions about society and eternity that need to be searched out and, and asked and answered. I don't expect a group to have all the answers. Now, don't jump off a deep end there and say, oh, wait, we've got the Bible, we've got all the answers. I get it. I, I would seriously suspect, though, that you've got that in a static form. And what I mean by that is this. I had the living Word of God. That living Word of God has existed for centuries. That living Word of God has addressed issues across time, across societies, across agendas, across politics or anything else. And it has always found the answers of God for those situations. The answers are there. What I really appreciate okay, is a group that gets together and earnestly seeks God's guidance through his book, To address those questions for my time and age. I would appreciate that. And I think it would be a trust in connections. First, to my friend's invitation, I'd have to trust that person to come and worship with them. And then, to the people my friend introduces me to, they're in their congregation. And it would be a, a continuing consistency, if you will, that envelops the spirit of the place, the worship, and the mission of the church. This is this is where I was, there I am, on my spiritual journey. I do not want to be the victim of a sales pitch. That's just me. Say that's the old cynic in me or whatever kind of thing. I'm always real suspicious when it starts out with some... Orchestrated question. I'm really not, I'm really skeptical of orchestrated events that are designed to get me together so that I can be on some prospect list. I'm not really interested in a lot of show and tell. That's just me. I'm looking for substance, not sales. I'm looking for devotion. Not dogma. I'm looking for fellow travelers of faith and not some fawning fake spiritualism. But that's me. However, I think maybe if that's me, that might be some of us as well. Yes. And if that be the case, then do we not think that as a representative of a cross-section of society that that would be the people that surround us outside these doors. All that bit of self-reflection for me led me to, well, maybe some ideas for us sitting in the pews. First of all, I think we need to be consistent in our walk of faith as an introduction to the soul-saving event of Jesus Christ. How you live the gospel makes it attractive to others. Secondly, I think we need to be confident with the answers that we find from God in our honesty and our relevance that span across issues and personalities and events. And I think there's a connection between our friends, our Savior, and this church. I am not ashamed of you. I like you. I like your smile. Is that your cue? Good. I like your warmth. I like the fact that that there's a passion for the truth. But I think that circle needs to expand to others around us to embrace them in that grace, forgiveness, and eternity in which we find our assurance. Let's look at those, if we could, for just a moment. Acts chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Acts chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. We need that consistent walk of faith. If we're going to be attractive to the world around us and share the gospel with other people and win an audience in order to sit down and open up the gospel to share with them, we need a consistent walk of faith. Be the person others can trust to find a way to act like Jesus. In Acts chapter 11, we're introduced to a man named Barnabas. Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. Now, in verses 23 and 24, this is what it says. When he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Look at that verse, those verses again, and follow through with me. You're the encourager, not the gospel. You're the person of joy. Not the negative nick or nally others have to bear. You're the person with a resolute heart. I love that word. A resolute heart. Your purpose for living is being true to Jesus. You are that (coughs) salt of the earth, good person, showing all those emerging qualities of God's presence in your life as shown by the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. They see love, and they see joy, and they see peace, patience, and kindness. They see goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Be the person of belief, hope, trust. Doing it perfectly? Probably not. Doing it consistently so that it's noticed in this doggy-owned world? Sure. That's what we're looking for. People trust someone who is good for the world around them good for something righteous and hopeful. just good to be around. You ever find those people, you know, it's just good to be around them. You walk away thinking, man, I'm glad I was around that person today. Be that person. People want to see the grace of God in you. Notice in those verses that people were brought to the Lord. Why? Who wouldn't want to be a part of something like that? Man, if he's made that kind of difference in you, I want to be a part of that. Our thing for this year is love to tell his story. Well, you know, to love to tell his story. First of all, you have to have that consistent walk of faith that wins that audience, as we said. But well, we can do this. It demands consistency in the faith of diversity. But isn't that the point of all this anyway? Second, we have a constant, confident, honesty, and relevance. Turn with me to First Peter chapter three verse fifteen. First Peter three, verse fifteen. <clears throat> 1 Peter 3, verse 15. We need to be a person who has a confident, honest, gentle answer to the questions put to you about your faith. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says it this way, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. I think one of the things that we miss sometimes, is that we go out there and we get hit with all these questions, we don't know how to answer them. I've learned this the hard way because I, I confess to you this morning, I realized this about myself, you ask me the time, I tell you how to build a watch. I understand, that's me. And I'm working on it. I'm learning that answers need to be concise and relevant and that they should lead to another question or allow comment. <coughs> I'm working on that. You can help me. okay? So that verse starts with a measure of confidence. Any dialogue we have brings the heart of Christ as our Lord into the picture. That's what it says. What is it in your heart? And okay, where does the answer start? It starts in your heart where Christ is Lord. We do what we do. We say what we say about Christ what we believe from our hearts where Jesus has a holy place of reverence. It's not what my opinion versus your opinion or my interpretation versus your interpretation. I honestly have given Jesus priority in my life and His word speaks to me with guidance. I am, the word is, convicted. And that's where I am. That's where you are. That's That's what that verse says. It starts out with, I have to have that resolution in my heart. Jesus is the Lord of my life. He dictates what I do and say. Notice we are told to make a defense. That's an old, old word from which we get our word, apology. Not that we've done something wrong. But the other way to to define that word is that we can give a reasoned, intelligent, compelling proof for that hope that is within us. Why do you believe what you believe? Where does that come from? You see, it's really hard to convince someone that the gospel is important when all you can do is say, well, that was the way I was raised. Or, that's how I've always believed. Or, that's just who I am. I'm going to tell you what, in the arena of the world, that's pretty shallow. Just being honest. That didn't, get you much, that, that didn't get you much attention. That didn't get much play. But if I can answer you and say, I reasoned this out this way. I believe this because this happened and this happened and I found this, and then this you know this was the conclusion I drew. I respect that. Whether you agree with me or not, I at least respect it, and then we can talk about it. So What is your hope because Jesus is Lord in your heart? That's the reason we come together in Bible study. To find out those reasons in Bible study and worship to meet at the Holy Scriptures and and to figure out what it is that God wants us to be and to do and then have that confidence walking out those doors that when people ask us we can say, well we do this because. Let's talk about a moment about what it is not because we live in that kind of community. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to borrow from the New Living Translation here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual Pentecost. These things only lead to meaningless speculation, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart clear conscience and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. I want to walk out on faith here and just say you don't have to win the coffee shop beauty shop debates about why we don't do this or that or when we're going to change how we do things. I have heard that tired line of of petty drama for so many years and so old it has mold on it. I am not here to win a debate about what we do and don't do. I'm not here to to convince somebody about why we don't do what they do. That is not the reason that I'm here. That is not the reason that God lives in my heart and that is not the reason that the gospel needs to be heard. God changes lives. His spirit lives in a life that causes change to happen around it. I believe in the dynamic presence of God by his spirit in his people, following his word, and working and worshiping together. I believe that with all my heart. If that's the question that you're being asked, your response can be respectful, gentle, and honoring to God. Simply ask them to pull out their Bible and study together with me. Greatest way to end a conversation like that. You people down there at that church, y'all don't believe in da, 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 da. Would you like to open the book on that? You know, all of a sudden they don't have anything to say. They don't. Because they don't know the book. They'll tell you that. I know because I've been in it for 35, 40 years. You tell them to open the book and then you know where to go in that book. I would be interested, though. I would be interested in a conversation that was Bible-based and allowed me to draw my own conclusions about God's position, expectations, rewards, concerning things that matter. I would trust a person who was genuinely active in their Bible and not presenting some canned outline leading to a determined conclusion. I would find it refreshing for such a person to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but let's find it together in our Bible. That gets my interest. Finally, remember the first lesson chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. We need to create a connection, of Trust. Be the person who's truly convinced that here, in this fellowship, in this group, is something so profound, so consistent that anyone can trust its presence to bless and direct the life toward meeting God. Be that person who is not ashamed of belonging to Jesus or worshiping God in this place with these people. Be the be the person who wants to bring your friend home to meet the folks. My mom was always big on that. She says, bring your friends by. We want to meet them. I thought they were just being friendly. I didn't know they were checking them out. <laughs> not when my wife invited me home you know, to meet her parents. You know, when we were in college, she said, come on, why don't you meet the parents? I didn't know he was doing a background check on me because he was DPS. You know? <laughs> he told me later, he said, you didn't have many tickets. I 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 11 and 12 says, Now may our God and Father himself, and Jesus our Lord, direct our way to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, for all people, just as we do also for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints." I would trust a congregation of Christians who are actively sincere in being led by God to love others. So simply, loving me as I am, sharing life with me as it navigates its complexities, helping prepare me for the coming of Jesus. The proof, I suppose, would be in their interest of me. You see, when someone comes in and we don't introduce them to people, you know? But we don't introduce ourselves. What conclusion can they draw? If we're just about sitting in our pew and doing our thing, then we're not really expanding that circle. We? Now, there's another thing to think about. Just, I need to see that because I would want to know those sitting close to me. I would know those sitting not close to me. And I would expect them to explain to me what's going on in worship. Listen, we do some things that not other people do. And we do them on a consistent weekly basis. And some people are totally lost by that. They don't know. And you go, well, it's pretty simple. You just kind of follow the laws. You think about the first time you came to this church. <laughs> and all the things that went on and you wish somebody, you kind of just kind of you know noticed it and kind of walked through it. And kind of think, wouldn't it be nice if somebody just kind of explained it to you? Wow. They said, hey, this is what we're doing now, and this is why. You can do that very quietly. You can do that with the person next to you. I always remember when uh, the basketball team would come, and uh, they bring the whole group, the whole team, and they'd have their blazers on, and they'd sit here, and it was such a you know, good <coughs> time, they, they visited all the churches, but they would come to down, and, and, and it always, it, it hurt me. It, it hurt that I couldn't get to them fast enough to explain what was going on. Because they would take the collection plate and pass it up and down the road. They didn't know what else to do. You know, they passed it to them and they were supposed to and they looked at each other and, until you explain, just pass it on and, you know, and do what you know. And they didn't know. It's okay. They learned. But somebody had to explain it to them. I believe that's what Jesus would do. And I wouldn't expect the same of his church. I need to see convincing consistency. And I wouldn't mind hearing how attractive the fellowship was for someone who was active and sincere and loving in that church. So see, what that means is that I've got to stop talking about what's not happening. And start talking about what is happening. I need to stop talking about how my needs aren't being met. And start talking about what I'm doing or what's being done to help other people. how I'm a part of that. Good way of thinking. I see three things involved here. As we go into the world. To spread the gospel. We need to pray. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We need to pray that God direct our way. To those who are being directed toward him. Someone you know. Needs this faith family. And they need them now. Pray about it. We need to allow our Lord to cause an increasing love among us and have that overflow among us, immersing everyone around us with His care. And we need to seek the ways our Father wants to build holiness into our lives in such ways that we become examples of Jesus to others. Now, if that's what we're convinced of, then being consistent in our walk of faith is the introduction to the soul saving event of Jesus Christ. If that's the answer to our prayers, then our confidence will have answers that we find from God. They'll be honest and re- relevant, honest and relevant, and span across issues and personalities and events. It goes to truth, and not some position. And it's a connection between our friends, our Savior, and this church that expands that circle that embraces others in God's grace and forgiveness in eternity. When Jesus said, go, he said, take the gospel to everyone. Our mission go and share the love of God, as Mark reminded us this morning, that God cared so much, He entered into our existence, so that we can know the way into His. Having said that, that's God's invitation to us today. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you need to make that response, to be baptized to repent of sin. Maybe you're here today, and you're convicted that, you know, I... I need living proof that you can hear the gospel right here from my heart and my life. If you need to respond to God's invitation this morning, to come to the front and make your knee known, let this.